Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. This is John Kerman, and you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. Hi, this is PJ Butler, and you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. This is Kyle, and you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. There's Jim. This is Leaving a Legacy. Got a mouthful of meat. Um. Oh, wait. That's not what I meant. Don't put that on there. Now we take you to the Red Room, where round one parents have been posted. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Leaving a Legacy. Jerry, me here. Uh, I do have a special guest on tonight. Maybe we'll have some other people joining us later on, but I think we have more than enough here to cover uh, a very special episode. We have Scott, a.k.a. The Booze Cube, on today. How you doing, Scott? Pretty good. How you doing? Hi, pretty awesome, pretty awesome. Thanks for uh, coming on today. Uh, my pleasure. So, I guess let's just dive right into it, Scott. Why would people know you in the magic community? Um, well, the primary reason would be the, the Booze Cube, hence the Twitter name, um, which is a custom set of magic cards that turn the game into a drinking game, um, using booze really, really as a game resource. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's gotten a lot of downloads and, you know, has kind of a cult following and... I, I know. Yeah. I I first was exposed to the Booze Cube probably two or three years ago, I want to say, when I lose, I think I heard about it on an episode of either Heavy Meta or the A-Team were talking about it. Probably. And uh, one of my good friends at the time uh, worked at a print shop, so we actually got the Booze Cube printed up on actual, like, cardboard stock and uh, drafted oh, nice. it. Yeah, it was, it was a great experience. But, uh, so it's kind of similar. Some people may have heard of a, a booze set. Do you use that really at all, uh, when describing Wait, a it? A booze? What do you mean a booze set? Well, a booze set. It's, uh, I, it's a, uh, kind of a hobby that kind of split off of, uh, cube making, uh, where you just design your own set usually based around a theme. So I've seen, like, Game of Thrones booze sets where it's all Game oh, of Thrones. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like Boosh Designs. Yes, yes, like that yes. Jay Boosh. It, I'd say it's a lot like that. Um, I do use real cards in there, too. Um, the current ratio, at least of my personal cube, is it's a uh, it's a 12-man cube. Since it's designed for multiplayer, it's basically three pods of four. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's um, probably maybe 80, 85% my stuff, about 15% real stuff. Gotcha. So you've kind of like combined it, and it's it's like a pseudo cube. Yeah, I mean it's it's more almost like drafting conspiracy because it's a multiplayer. It's designed to be a multiplayer experience. Although um, I'm just starting to, and you know it'll be months before I have it figured out. But mm-hmm. I'm going to also at some point post the list for a one v one version of it. Kind of taking the ho- uh, like the vintage holiday cube, just you know your prototypical powered cube. Yep. And then turning it into, I guess, a one v one competitive booze cube. <laughs> I know that there's a. That sounds awesome. Yeah, well, I figure you know at Vegas it's a lot more, which hopefully I'll be able to make it to. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's hard to do a booze cube tournament when you're doing pods of multiplayer. Right. So I was going to comment on that. Uh, so it's three pods of four, so twelve people total. 
Right. I mean, I, I thought about expanding it up to 16, but at least for, and people are certainly free to do that. I mean, at this point with, once the next expansion comes out, there'll be so many cards that, you know, you can mix them with real cards or use, I'm, I'm not even using all the cards that I've designed. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm kind of winnowing it down to the particular experience that I personally want to play. And, uh, you know, people are definitely free to do that. Um, you know, I'm not the world's, I may be the only real uh, booze card designer, but uh, I'm definitely not the world's greatest cube builder. Mm-hmm. So, I would, actually, I'd love to see what people come up with on their own. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the, the artist dilemma. Once you release something into the community, people just pick it up and run with it. And it's really cool to see what uh, what people come up with. So the first time I actually drafted it, I guess we did. We kind of did it slightly wrong, uh, where we all drafted together and then had just a four-player free-for-all. Oh, yeah. Um, That's exactly what it's for. Oh, okay. Then never mind. <laughs> yeah, it's just a four or four player free for alls. Yeah, is what you're splitting into. Yeah. Oh, next, okay. At least for my cube. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, I thought it was an awesome time uh, playing it with uh, just a group of friends. Uh, it's it's a very casual way to play. But our problem, I feel, is <laughs> or maybe this is kind of part of the design that. It's a very complicated board state. Anyone who's played, like, four-person EDH knows everything that can just clutter up the board. And when you include, when you add alcohol to that, it makes it very easy to just forget every trigger ever. <laughs> oh, well, that's really, it's, it's almost kind of by design, because your yep. sobriety really is a, it's a very unique kind of game resource. Because it doesn't even, it doesn't, you don't get it back. You mm-hmm. don't regenerate it between games. <laughs> Unless so, you have a really fast metabolism. <laughs> right. Drink a lot of water. Yeah, yeah a like running on a treadmill while playing. Oh! But, but because it is a... Uh, oh. <laughs> Look who decided to show up. Hey, by the power of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, I'm glad you could make it tonight. Me too. I don't know if I'll be able to stay the way things have been going, but we're going to try. Yeah, we'll, we'll try. We'll see if the internet fairies let you extend your curfew. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> so sorry, Scott. Please, please continue. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, because life is, I mean, not life, your, your sobriety is really an in-game resource. It actually provides a lot of design space and a lot of ability to balance certain effects that on the surface seems like, absurdly broken, like, should not have been made. Like, seems like something you see on MTG Cardsmith. Mm-hmm. But because your, re- your, your sobriety really is a finite resource and can go surprisingly quick, as I've learned uh, many times mm-hmm. in the past, you can have cards like, um, there's a card called uh, Corporate Tutor in the original cube. It's a one-mana demonic tutor, and you can kick it to get a, and get, to get a second card, all for one mana. But it's an additional drinking cost of 10 just to cast it, and a, the kicker is drink 10. So you're basically, you're going to do a demonic, get a double demonic tutor, but you're going to drink most of a beer on a single spell. <laughs> yeah, so wait, uh, what is a drink a measurable uh, unit? Can, can, you, can you put it on a scale? <laughs> sure, it's, it's just a normal reasonable drink of whatever it is you're you know like a sip of wine or a sip of whiskey you know a gulp of beer mm-hmm. whatever i mean and it can vary what i do if i'm if i'm faced with a very large number is i will kind of tilt it back and pour at a reasonable rate for that many seconds you know mm-hmm. i'll just count 
Especially if I have to do, like, you know, drink 50 or something. It, it sounds like King's Rules applies. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I played a lot of drinking games in undergrad, and, you know, that's, uh, was, was the inspiration for a lot of it. Ah, okay. So I'm, I'm glad, uh, King's, King's came into play. I played that many a night in my undergrad days as well. Uh, but, so, before we get too bogged down, we'll be coming back to the, the Boost Cube later, uh, why, why else might, uh, players have run into you around the Legacy tables? Well, um, I'm, I've been playing, uh, what I call Colorless Green 12 Post. <laughs> Colorless Green, <Four>. okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I just started at, uh, around Oath of the Gatewatch, where it was, where they gave us an actual mana symbol, and, you know, the C abbreviation. Mm-hmm. I started calling it colorless green in order to distinguish it from the more traditional mono green builds, which really play as very different decks. Right. So I've been playing that for five years, uh, both, I mean, mostly in paper. I started online probably maybe uh, about two years ago. So I've, and I, that's my only legacy deck. It's actually my only deck online. So when I play online, I'm playing that. Please tell me your magic online collection is the deck, some tickets, and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, I mean, I think I've picked up some, you know, some r- random pack stuff for what I've done a, f- a couple of drafts. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, wh- what? Uh, what's kind of your favorite part about the deck? I love. Well, wh- there's so many things. Um, <laughs> so, one. which is your favorite child? Exactly. Well, right now I only have one, so that's an easy question. <laughs> Oh, good. Yeah, there's so many things. Um, but I think my favorite thing is just it's so much fun to play. Like, it, if you are if you have any Timmy sensibilities, this is a perfect deck for you because you just go so far over the top of everything else mm-hmm. that, you know, it's just you have this crushing inevitability. Yeah. That... Is just it's it's outstanding. I mean, being able to take infinite turns with Emrakul and Caracas, <laughs> or casting all three Eldrazi in a single turn. Yeah, those are the is, backbreaking uh, uh, moves. Yeah. The problem I've run into with playing those decks is so rarely your opponent will let you have your fun. <laughs> like, right. They always <laughs> go on. I asked me concede to a warping whale today for some reason. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I had lo- I had locked down his gown. It was a burn deck. I locked off his uh, Swift Spears with um, Maze plus uh, Candelabra, and then he, you know, he got me down. But his car, his hand was basically empty. Put out a Grim Lava Mancer, and I just immediately killed it in a turn with uh, with Warping Well. <laughs> just the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> yeah, uh, Warping Well is definitely one of my favorite cards in the deck. It's such a Swiss Army knife. It can do so many different things. Yes, it can. It is and... a very good card. <laughs> And it's really one of the things that gives the deck a whole new level of interactivity. That mm-hmm. uh, it's really a surprisingly interactive deck, given you know kind of its end game. Right. So, uh, do you want to run down the list for uh, the listeners? Sure. Um, let me get it. Uh, or actually, I can just. Uh, I can, actually, I can probably do it from memory. I've been, like I said, <laughs> I can, I've been playing this deck a long time. <laughs> I have the link. If, if you want, I can read the cards, and you can like. If you have anything you want to say about them as we go down, we can, and just sort of talk yeah, about sure. what the cards uh, actually, I've, Yeah, I've got the iPad here, so I just need to okay. open the page. But I've also I've, I've got the uh, the physical deck here, too, just to, you know, shuffle around. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the, my favorite things, is just shuffling either a Legacy or a Vintage deck and just kind of 
looking at it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Feel like, all, uh, the, all the history. It's all the history. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, just holding a couple thousand dollars and just, you know, <laughs> running it through your hands, just counting Jerry, those Benjamins. <laughs> Jerry's used to that being being in his line of work, you know. <laughs> uh, no, that was, that was from my days on the street corners, you know. Just sleeping on stacks of money. <laughs> Jerry's pillow isn't fluffy enough, so he throws a more, couple more hundred bucks in there. Got to fluff it up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there's just nothing for, that suits your posture better than lying on a stack of hundred dollar I mean, bills. I mean, what's it like to have turn down service in just your regular home, Jerry? <laughs> uh, it's pretty nice. <laughs> Do they leave you the mints on the pillows? Because that's always pretty sweet. Too. Uh, they actually hand feed it to me. <laughs> they have these really intricate uh, vines. It's like it's like vines of grapes, but they've genetically engineered the vines to produce York peppermint patties instead. It costs a fortune, but it's worth every penny. So it's like it's like the square watermelons that come out of Japan. You know? Yeah, I mean they're easier to stack. That just makes sense. <laughs> Uh, All right, so I've got the list up now. Excellent. <laughs> so let's let's run down it. All right, so we've got uh, you know there's the four. It's only plays four creatures in the main deck. Um, you know the the obvious ones: Emrakul, Ulamog, and I do I run two copies of uh, original Kozilek. Why um, that one? That one is so good. Okay. It's the, <laughs> okay. So he's actually my favorite, but mm. he um. We he found just, the favorite child. He's right here. <laughs> well, he's my favorite of the Eldrazi. Yeah. But he is, uh, he, he creates this absolutely back-breaking card advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even care if he gets countered. <laughs> he's essentially a, I mean, I'd like him to resolve, because, you know, he's a 12-12 Annihilator 4. Right. But the fact that even if he gets countered, if he gets Force of Will, it's still a 7-for-1 in my favor. <laughs> yes. And I also feel a lot of players playing against him forget that he can be countered. Like, everyone's always so used going up against Emrakul that they just kind mm-hmm. of assume that all the Eldrazi are uncounterable. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I've noticed that sometimes. But, I mean, I definitely have him countered quite a bit. But I don't care. He's basically a 10-mana, uncounterable draw four mm-hmm. that, if he resolves, will win the game on his own. Yeah, that's pretty nice. I, I have uh, had my opponent resolve Kozilek's against me, and it is never a good feeling. Yeah, well, and the thing, too, with him versus... Um, it was kind of, it's kind of close between... Because new Ulamog is amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of a tough call between them, but I generally... If I'm going to see an Eldrazi in my opener, I would say uh, four times out of five, prefer Kozilek, because he's just he's a generalist. Ulamog is great. I mean, his, he takes care... Of specific problems, but Kozlik, you always want four cards. <laughs> that is true. I think I always want to draw four cards. <laughs> I mean, and you can draw, and with Caracas and a decent amount of mana, you can loop them a couple times. Like I've drawn sixteen cards off Kozlik in one turn before. Jeez. So that that that's pretty backbreaking. So those are the only creatures, uh, but they are pretty good creatures. So it makes up for the lack of them. Uh, right, and it's I- easy to find with with the eye. Right, with Ayavugan, so that you can always uh, find the creatures. It's Ayavugan, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh, but how are you casting these monstrosities? Well, I mean, like most other post decks, I play the uh, the mana engine of uh, Cloud Post, mm-hmm. Glimmer Post, and Vesuva. Mm-hmm. Twelve and, posts, um, you may say. <laughs> yep, exactly. Although I'm only <laughs> playing thirteen posts because I'm also running a copy of uh, 
Thespian stage is kind of a Vesuvian number five. Ah. It has a, a, a few uh, pros and a few cons to it. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, pros, you know, it can, unlike Vesuvian, it doesn't come in tapped, and I can tap for a colorless right away. Mm-hmm. So it'll help, you know, if I have a hand that's, like, forest expedition map and mm-hmm. that, I can actually crack it instead of a you know, forced Vesuva and go find my cloud co- uh, cloud boats. Right. But, um, you know, the, the disadvantage is, I mean, it takes mana to actually use it, and also um, it doesn't, because it comes, it's, you know, it's already in when it's copied, it doesn't copy ETB effects, notably Bajuka Bog or Glimmer Post. Right. But mostly Bajuka Bog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it also has an interesting trick with... Um, with Glacial Chasm, which is another, you know, this deck runs quite a few utility lands. Oh, I've never seen that before. I'm surprised. That's really cool with uh, Thespian Stage uh, Glacial Chasm. You don't have to yep. sack the land on entry, but you still get the protection. Right. And you can, you know, you can let Glacial Chasm go a couple turns, mm-hmm. and then you can uh, do it in response to the upkeep trigger, so you even still get a free turn out of that. Right. Plus reset, essentially resetting the chasm. Man, I really like that. That is cool. And because it still has the ability, there have been occasional times where I'll keep the protection from the chasm just so that I can't get... Um, like wastelanded out? Well, not even wastelanded out. If I can't get... Uh, so I can't... Let's say I'm at a really low life against burn, and I'm worried that, um, you know, they they have a bolt or a price or some, some form of instant death. Right. I can use that to get the protection from the beginning of the turn, and then when it's time to, you know, cast something big... I can use Candelabra to untap it and then turn it into a... If I, assuming I have multiple Candelabras, mm-hmm. to either uh, to tap it and turn it into another Cloud Post or just to power the other ones mm-hmm. or to, uh, you know, if I have a second Candelabra, I can untap it and use it immediately. Right. And the other thing this deck does as far as the, as far as the mana engine that some of the other post decks don't, is it runs the full playset of Candelabras. Yes, I was going to mention that. That uh, that makes it pretty... Other than the four Candelabras, you could call this a budget list in Legacy. Like, you could probably... And the Tabernacle. Oh, yeah, and the Tabernacle, and the Tabernacle. But uh, the four Candelabras are what uh, kind of caught me uh, when I first saw the list. I'm like, yep, never putting this deck together in paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got... $3,000 of the deck tied up in five cards. Yeah. <laughs> Other than those five cards, budget deck. <laughs> like, I think, what, the Eldrazi are the most expensive? Actually, maybe Vesuva. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know what they're all at nowadays. Regardless, uh, maybe, Well, I've got the Dark Depths in the uh, the sideboard now. Oh, no, actually, Ugin is probably the most expensive. <laughs> Still, you know, Tabernacle... Fourteen, fifteen hundred dollar card. Next most expensive card, uh, other than uh, uh, candlesticks, are like dark depths at forty bucks. <laughs> yeah, or I don't know what Caracas is at nowadays with uh, the Eternal Masters. Price, yeah, but. that. Yep, true. But uh, so those five cards, how important are they to the deck? Incredibly, the <laughs> Tabernacle is probably the left least one, mm-hmm. but the deck really, really. It uses Candelabra a lot more um, aggressively than the than a lot of the other builds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in blue, the blue-green post builds have access to Trinket Mage, so they can run fewer. But this deck, it Candelabra is actually what, aside from just being mana ramp, it's really protection from wasteland mm-hmm. because this this build is very very good at getting specifically cloud posts out as fast as possible because it has so much so much uh, card selection and tutoring. Yep. 
Um, but yeah, you really need at least three candelabras for the deck to be consistent because with candelabra, you can get by on fewer posts. Um, you know, all you need to get to Emrakul is three cloud posts and a single candelabra. Right. So, yeah. But it also plays really well with Mazabeth. No, oh, yeah, just infinite blockers all day. Yeah, I mean, and it, the, each candelabra doubles the number of mazes, and I run three mazes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've held off, you know, eight blockers in a turn, or eight uh, attackers in a turn. Eight attackers, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Because each one doubles it, it's... And so, yeah, multiple mazes just gets crazy. Nice. So, doesn't sound like aggro matchups are that big of a problem, or at least creature decks in general. What is kind of the deck's biggest weakness? The deck's biggest weakness... Um, Storm, high tide, um, anything that is can get under me and doesn't interact with the graveyard. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so storm. I mean, they. I, I've got some more game against them now. High tide is terrible. Solidarity. I've actually, actually lost against Solidarity with uh, the Annihilator track attack from uh, Emrakul on the tri- on the stack. Jeez. <laughs> so yeah, but, I mean that kind of deck. Tin fins is a little rough. The more that they, they they depend on the graveyard, the better the matchup is for me, because then I can use Bajukabog. And you have instant speed ways of getting Bajukabog out? Yeah, I mean, Clap Rotation being the uh, the biggest one. Right. Or the really the only one. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was just wondering if there's I can else. find Bajukabogs, at least, you know, at, with, uh, between the, uh, I guess the big difference between, say, this, and why I've kind of called it a different name, between this and uh, traditional true mono green 12 post is that mono green 12 post is really it's a primeval titan and green sun zenith deck. Right. Where this deck is primarily a ancient stirrings and crop rotation deck. Mm-hmm. Um, cause be- because I'm really only just splashing green, I can, uh, I'm not really likely to, I'll, all I really need is a single forest and I can function perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And, so all my ex- all other forests I play after that really are just there to be exi- to be uh, upgraded with uh, crop rotation. Right, and so the only reason why you're playing green in the first place is because it just has the best land tutors of any color. Exactly, and an- and ancient stirrings is ridiculous in the deck. It's one of the main reasons that uh, I started putting it together mm-hmm. because it is uh, 52 of the 60 main dar- main deck slots are colorless. So. Basically, that card says, for one green mana, look at five cards and take whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you don't hit a forest. <laughs> yeah, unless I need it for crop rotation. Unless you need it for crop rotation. Or have one in hand. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I can I can use crop rotation, I mean, I, a lot more aggressively than decks that are worried about getting mana screwed. Right. Or color screwed, rather. Mm-hmm. That's uh, That's pretty cool. So, you know, Storm, Fast X, worst matchup. What do you just steamroll? Like, what do you want to sit down against all day? Miracles. Miracles. I would play against Miracles all day long. (laughs) Man, the Mud and 12-post players just love hating on Miracles, and it's great. I've been playing the deck for five five years now. I can still count the number of matches I've lost to Miracles, including, like, (laughs) playtesting, on my fingers. Jeez. It's eight. (laughs) In five years. Uh, I think we just need more candelabras in the meta, and miracles wouldn't be as big a problem. Just all these. Well, at least online. <laughs> yeah. My deck online is like 150 bucks. Oh, really? Because yeah, it's crazy. It actually has gone down since I've uh, I picked it up. I bought in 
about like 200 220 mm-hmm. And yeah, it's 150 bucks right now. Well, I think a big cost was uh, Emrakul's. Emrakul's were like 25 bucks a piece, and now they're like eight. Yeah, all the reprintings. Yeah, but ha- not having a you know catalog, being able to buy a place at a catalogue for 40 bucks is that's pretty nice. Drops the price of the deck a bit. So I think it actually has the largest gulf between its paper cost and its online cost. <laughs> yeah, of, I would uh, say that of any deck. <laughs> uh, quite a bit. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I may have to uh, put your deck together online, because it definitely looks awesome. It is fun. I, I've been playing it for five years, and I'm yet to be bored. Nice. And it's it's surprisingly interactive between, uh, you know, tricks with crop rotation and uh, warping whale, and, you know, it's got, a, I mean, the cat, the mazes to interact with your creatures, and a ton of, um, I mean, it's got four four board wipes, which really the only other deck that has that is Miracles. Right. And uh, you, you're talking about warping whale a little earlier. Uh, you know, it sounds like you're pretty in de- in de- enamored <laughs> with that card. Yeah, that card revolutionized this deck. It gives you uh, like it gives you counter magic in a, a mono colorless green colorless, yeah. and green. Yeah, or mono green. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it gives you counter magic, which. People forget often forget that that's a card. Um, <laughs> that also like tilts, tilts people super hard. I remember the same thing with Tithe, which is a, a white counter spell. Ah. Like people play against the mono white weenies deck, and then you Tithe them, and they're like, "Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna do that?" <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful feeling. Uh. But yeah, it, it gives me so much more game against the combo decks that I had uh, a lot of difficulty with. Like uh, you know, I can counter a. Um, I can counter an Infernal Tutor. Yeah, I or, feel so, uh, most of or the combo... Yeah, most of the combo decks in Legacy are sorcery-based. Most of the mm-hmm. like important kill cards are sorcery-based. And uh, Envelop and Surgical Extraction... Or not... Yeah, is it... Uh, what's the new blue spell that just got printed that's basically Envelop, but it removes all the cards from the deck if you have Delirium? Oh, yeah. I think um, invasive surgery, maybe? Yes, I think that's it. Yes. But between that, like, that card is so much better than people realize, because people don't really, keep, you know, take into account just... When they're getting killed by a spell, they don't really care if it's instant or sorcery, they just know the game's over. <laughs> right. But, yeah, Warping Whale definitely hits a lot that you care about. Yeah, and it's, I mean, every single matchup, every single mode is, I mean, can be relevant. The, I mean, it's removal for 75% of the creatures that see play. Yep. And it, uh, I've actually used it, every once, once in a blue moon I'll use the uh, the token mode to make a mana, but it's really effective as a surprise chump blocker. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, like, for example, again, I played uh, in paper at a 1K, I think, last year, and I, uh, I was playing against Infect, and my opponent, in order to, he, you know, I had Mazevith out, so in order to get in with his, um, his Viridian Corruptor, he kicked Vines of Vastwood on his main phase and then cast Berserk. Or no, not Berserk, um, Invigorate. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, um, w- one of the big spells. It was a lethal. Yeah. It was a uh, totally lethal, it was, you know, totally lethal attack. But not preserved because it didn't have trample. Otherwise, this wouldn't have worked. Because I just made a surprise jump blocker after he attacked, and uh, yeah, yeah, he blew his load for nothing. <laughs> God, I hate it when I blow my load for nothing. 
my favorite uh, thing I've ever seen with making the one one. Uh, Erin, who was on a couple episodes ago, was saying she plays Dredge. And oh uh, yeah, you can cap- get rid of their warping well. Yeah, not- you can get rid of their uh, bridges. Exactly. You make the one one, and it has the ability to sacrifice this to make a mana. The token goes mm-hmm. to the graveyard briefly. Just enough to exile all the bridge from blows. Just blows yep. them out. <laughs> yeah, Dredge is a really good matchup, too. Because, or really, most graveyard decks, Reanimator still has a uh, about Tyrant, but if they can get that off, wrecks me. But, uh, but yeah, decks like Dredge. I was playing um, at Meat Hall Games. They have a feature match streaming thing, and I was in the feature match against uh, Manalus Dredge. And I knew I knew that the guy was on Manalist Dredge, even because he had been in the feature match I was watching on TV, the screen uh, the ma- the round before. Mm-hmm. So I already knew I got to uh, I got to choose to draw, and I basically just mulled until I had a hand with uh, forest and a crop rotation. And then between uh, that and then repeated use of Vesuva, he didn't have a graveyard for more than one turn in <laughs> uh, both games. Oh man, <laughs> that's so demoralizing as a Dredge player. <laughs> Uh, I I agree. Like these land decks just wreck dredge. Uh, I was against uh, like the turbo depths deck, and that mm-hmm. with its crop rotation bajuka bog was brutal enough. And I feel uh, colorless green twelve post uh, would be even worse. Yeah, it's really the our bad matchups besides um, something like non and we have a lot of hate for those post board, but. Eldra- uh, the Eldrazi Stompy lists mm. are actually giving me uh, a lot of trouble. Because oh, yeah? if you look, I mean, even though we're ca- I'm casting uh, these giant spells, most of the deck is actually one-drops, just straight one-drops throughout. Oh, so Chalice of the Void gives you a lot of problems. Yeah, and my a lot of my maze is good, but my normal ways of uh, controlling the board against aggro are completely useless because they're all colorless. Right. So I can't all dust and I can't Ugin. Right. Yeah, I can definitely see how that would be a problem. <laughs> yep. Uh, so any sideboard plans for it, or are you just kind of crossing your fingers and hoping to dodge? Um, I'm still, you know, I've been experimenting with a lot of different options lately, and I still haven't quite figured it out. Um, you know, I've been bringing in Ratchet, I've brought in Ratchet Bomb to deal with their chalices, and I, I bring in the grips. Um, I've also been, uh, I've really been happy with Silent Arbiter. Okay. Um, because they're probably not going to bring their warping whales in against me. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, um, so they're not going to be able to exile that. They're probably not going to bring in their dismembers against me because, yeah, I mean, he, I mean, I guess you could take down Ulamog with two of them, but... Yeah, I have that's not... That's a lot. Oops, sorry, go ahead. Oh, but, so it's really, you don't really have to worry about their removal, and it just stops so much of their uh, their momentum. Yeah. I have not seen a Silent Arbiter in competitive play in a very long time. <laughs> so I would love to see that guy on the board. Uh, for yeah, me, it's been great. It's also great against uh, Monastery Mentor yeah, and uh, Pyromancer. Just any tokens. Extra. So for our listeners who don't recognize it, uh, old school Fifth Dawn artifact creature, uh, four colorless for a 1-5, no more than one creature can attack each combat. No more than one creature can block each combat. So he's also just a straight-up combo with a single Maze of F. Exactly, and I do love my mazes, which is one of the best cards against uh, 
against Eldrazi for me. Right. I mean, it's kind of a flavor fail, though, that, I mean, the tiny little Eldrazi give me such a hard time when I'm playing their parents. <laughs> They're just swarming over them and stealing their inheritance. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, other people would say, you know, the way to beat Eldrazi is to go bigger, but I guess you've reached kind of like point of size failure. You can't really get any bigger. Right. I mean, hardcasting Emrakul is probably the biggest thing you can do in Magic. Ah, Chromat, man. It's all about Chromat. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to break him. This cast is going to break Chromat one day. Mm -hmm. Wait and see. Good luck with that. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, so... You've been, you have the deck together online. Uh, you've been playing in the new Community League, haven't you? I, I yes, think, I have. That's I think, been a blast. Yeah. So how's, uh, how's it been doing in that league? Well, I seem I haven't been doing particularly well as... Uh, I seem to just be playing Combo and Eldrazi. Like, yeah, I played against Infect three of the four matches last time. Jeez. <laughs> which is... I mean, it's a, it's a high-variance matchup for me. It's definitely winnable, mm-hmm. but... Uh, it's, it's it still requires me to be really tight, and uh, I was not. <laughs> as yeah, it goes. Uh, as it goes. <laughs> I, yeah, and you know I got stomped by uh, Eldrazi the uh, the first time around, and uh, I I haven't been playing against miracles lately. I mean, I think today when I was playing around this afternoon in the uh, tournament practice room was the first time I've been paired against miracles at all in at least a month. Jeez, I wish I had that luck. When I play the league, I play like Delver decks, and I verse Eldrazi Miracles, Eldrazi Miracles. So I'll take the Miracles matchup all day long. Yeah, <laughs> we can both dodge Eldrazi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, I mean, it's a really fun matchup to play, at least on my end, because I feel like a cat playing with its food. Yeah. With, you know, I mean, I know they're the format boogeyman, but I... I I, I'm always encouraging of Miracles to uh, succeed and uh, be a large part of the <laughs> Right, because, I mean, if Miracles goes away, your deck loses its best matchup. That right. makes your I life mean, a whole lot harder. It does, especially if uh, it results in a lot more fast combo and, uh, and Eldrazi. <laughs> so we found the lobbyist people who don't want Counterbalance uh, to be banned. <laughs> right here. <laughs> Send your letters to Scott at... <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Nice. So, you know, it sounds like you're, you're in love with the deck. You've been playing for five years. Ever dabble in anything else? Yeah. Um, I had a, uh, a blue-black Tezzeret list I was playing around with for a while, but uh, I got kind of bored with it, and... Uh, now I'm actually trying to retool it into a Grixis list so that I can play with Duretti in the mix. Right. I approve. Uh, any Goblin Welders? Um, probably not, because I'm going to want to be a Chalice deck. Ah, uh, that is the dilemma with the, the Artifact decks, is you want to be able to play Trinisphere and Chalice, but you also want to be able to abuse other variants that require you to go on the cheap side. So you kind of right. have to and choose suppose, your path. Right, and you know, I think Duretti bridges that gap there. Yeah, he definitely allows you to do things that you don't really, you're not really able to do without casting, you know, ones and two drops. So I, I like that. Yeah, I've played a, I have high tide built, but it's kind of just been gathering dust for at least a year. Um, <laughs> you just want to look the enemy in the eye every once in a while. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah, well, and it just feels like you're masturbating for thirty minutes. Yeah, well, I mean, I also feel if you have a playset of candelabras, there are only so many decks you can build. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I mean, and I'm I'm working towards uh, getting lands together. The only things I really need, are, um, really are the ports, but uh, or the depending on I've been trying to figure out a build that doesn't use uh, the punishing the grove combo that instead is more like an enlightened tutor package. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean. I haven't wanted to get the ports because I know they're gonna, as soon as I do they're going to get reprinted. Yeah, I'm the same exact way. It's actually probably the only reason why I haven't tried sleeving up death and taxes is I just don't want to buy the ports. You know, I just I also need to look my enemy in the eye from time to time. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, really, high tide is. Per- I mean, it's it's worse than storm too because it just. I mean, it just takes so long to go off. Yeah, well, I remember just a tournament I was at where uh, the game was at time and High Tide was playing, and Mm -hmm. they played for about 15 minutes longer and then passed the turn, and the (laughs) the judge asked... Uh, is is that it? Is the game over? They're like, no, that this is this is turn two of turns. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I've already had, like, uh, twenty minutes past time. <laughs> yeah, I've had not when I was when I was playing post at a SCG, not uh, high tide, but I was playing against Solidarity, mm-hmm. and we went to turns, and with Emrakul, I took uh, I think turns two and three, and then attacked, and in response to the annihilator trigger, he started to go off. And I still had, uh, you know, interactive things that I could do because it was a post-board game to mess with him. So we were both playing both playing really tight, and you know, we had multiple judges walking, like, sitting around us. And they congratulated on how, us on, you know, at least, you know, you played as fast as possible. We still went half an hour over. Right. I mean, sometimes it's unavoidable. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I like to at least be able to take some breaks between rounds. Right. It's 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 almost like uh, kind of hinting at the booze cube in unseen resource <laughs> is just tournament stamina. You know, yeah, definitely. You see so many people start making mistakes around rounds four and five because they're getting hungry. If they're playing a control deck, they're not really getting breaks in between rounds, so they can't really take bathroom breaks at their leisure. Uh, if they mm-hmm. don't have friends there, you know, they may be starving and not be able to get food. Uh, and you just see all these mistakes come out of the woodwork around that time. So, strategy of 12 post is win fast. Is that is that one of your goals? <laughs> um, I mean, I can be really fast. I mean, the deck has the potential for a turn, you know, a turn three hardcast Emrakul with a nut draw. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, it definitely, it definitely plays the long game, um, because it has such inevitability, and every every additional turn that twelve post gets, it brings it substantially likely, uh, substantially more likely for it to actually win. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I mean you've got a re- your end game is hard casting Emrakul and possibly looping it with Caracas. <laughs> exactly. I remember playing against twelve post with Delver decks that I just have this imaginary clock in the back of my mind, where mm-hmm. if I'm going to win this matchup, I have to kill him dead. And as soon yep. as glimmer posts start landing, I are I just feel that clock speed up. Uh, it just gets to yep. a point where the deck can gain more life than Delver decks can deal. Yep, I mean it's basically like you're time walking somebody for a land, right? <laughs> Which then taps for mana later on, or makes your existing lands tap for more mana. <laughs> yep, and I mean the other thing that I love about twelve posts is just it. You go like I said before, you know, it's it's a 
it's a Timmy's dream deck because it's actually competitive, but it's, I mean, there's nothing quite like the feeling of, I always get funny looks sometimes when I am, uh, when I'm at a tournament and people are like, I never thought I'd hear the phrase, all right, so there's 72 mana floating, I untap, and, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, I, 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 yeah, in, uh, in one tournament in, uh, at the first GP Vegas, I was playing in the Legacy side, and it was the last round of the fucking night, and, uh, of their big Sunday Legacy, and I was playing against, um, it was like a Stoneblade, kind of a more controllish Stoneblade deck, and they, uh, you know, they kept countering all of my tutors, so we just kept going on and on and on, and I keep kept making more and more land drops until I finally landed an expedition map and could go get the eye. And by the time that happened, I had I was able to tutor four and cast all three Eldrazi with like two hundred floating. <laughs> and there's something about that feeling that just uh, absurd numbers. Absurd numbers are absurd. <laughs> yep. I mean, I think I actually calculated one time. You know, I mean, if you take a deck and just how if it had all its lands into play at once, how much mana could it do? And you know, most legacy decks, that's probably going to be like under twenty. <laughs> like under fifteen, <laughs> under ten. Yeah, Delver decks would the be like six. It's like yeah. six actual mana sources, ten fetch lands, and four wastelands. <laughs> yep. The the maximum number that I can make with this deck, I can't remember the exact number, but I. It was something in the neighborhood of, like, 670. Jeez. I feel hearing you say that makes me think that on kind of a spiritual deck level, uh, your version of 12 Post is kind of closer akin to, like, Enchantress, where you just land your stuff, make a bunch of mana, cast some Emrakuls. Yeah, I mean, it is... It's a little more interactive, I think. Um, mm-hmm. you're, less, but... you're less pillow 40, but... Right. I mean, I build a small pillow fort between, you know, the mazes and the uh, the tabernacle or what, whatnot. But really, it's uh, I just want to stall the game until, uh, you know, I can get, I can land uh, one of my business spells. Like, I mean, Ugin is my smallest business spell. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Which is saying something. I, I think Ugin is also a great addition for the deck and the style in general. Just having... Oh, yeah. Just having a, a wrath effect that is so brutal. <laughs> like, me and my friends were playing EDH the other day, and one of us landed in Ugin, and it just it pretty much ended the game by itself, because yep. it answers pretty much everything, other than other Eldrazi. Except Eldrazi. Except Eldrazi just anything else you could care about, it, it handles. <laughs> yep. And then I've also, I have a split between that and Almost Dust. Mm-hmm. So... Which, and, of course, both of them can be found with Ancient Stirrings. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the reasons I run the split between Ugin and All's Dust is that, uh, I mean, there's a couple of matchups where Ugin is not, doesn't actually do that. Mostly um, Show and Tell or Reanimator, just because All's Dust will take it down, where Ugin, he can't take down a Gristlebrand right away. But also, um, just being able to deal with things like Meddling Mage or, uh, I forget, Sanctum Prelate. Having things at different mana costs. Hate that card so much. (laughs) I I haven't really played against it much because I haven't made it. I haven't really had time to uh, go play in paper lately. Mm -hmm. And with it, you know, being not really being online yet. Yeah, it's not available online, so people get to live free for a little while longer, at least. But uh, yeah, once you start playing against that card, I'm sure you will gain a healthy respect for it because they can just play it and name eight. 
Now you can't play your yeah. Ugans. <laughs> but Right, but then I can still always dust. You still can always dust, so that that is why uh, having a split is nice sometimes. Yeah, plus surgical extraction and all that stuff. Right. So yeah. you got it you got answers. But you will you will get a hate for it, as I think everyone who plays against it will. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Death and Taxes is normally a I mean it's I'd say slightly favorable. It really just depends on whether I can get a needle down on Wasteland. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of, how is the lands deck then? Like, with them going Loam Wasteland, I can see that being a problem for you if you can't find a needle. Yeah, it's it used to be nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually gotten a lot better since they've gone to the Dark Depths combo, because I have uh, my own Thespian stage, mm-hmm. and can, uh, you know, if they go for the combo, I can do it in response and still have, uh, you know, Merit Lage. Right, exactly. But uh, it's... Not for, for uh, in game one, if I'm not, if I don't win or have a real, uh, a decent board position by, say, turn three or four, I usually just scoop so that we have time to play the other matches. And then post board, I've got a, some really, some good hate for it. Like, um, you know, surgical extraction is there. It's useful in a lot of matchups, but it's really there for wasteland and loam. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm guessing you don't give two shits about Punishing Fire because it's going to be a long, long game in which lands Punishing Fire's A12 post deck. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, the only times it's relevant is if, you know, they can get me to 20 so that they can go for the Merit Lage win. Right. I but mean, even then... <laughs> I'm sure it's happened in the history of Magic. I'm sure it has, but that is not a game that I want to watch. <laughs> it is... It is it can be very slow or very fast, depending... I mean, if they get the lock on me, I just can't get out from under it. Right, right. Uh, Blood Moon's also kind of a pain, which is one of the reasons that I have the mana base that I do. Um, I don't. I specifically don't play any fetches um, so that I can have all my green sources as, as um, basic forests in order to guarantee that I can cast Crossing Rip. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, but Blood, Blood Moon is definitely still a pain. So with um, the blue-green 12-post lists... They care about Blood Moon, but it's not really as big a deal for them because their goal is just they'll get up to six mana or three mana with the blue source and show and tell. Right, and show and tell is definitely a big thing that I'm giving up. But. Right, that's that's a big lack of the deck is no show and tell. Um, but, you know, they'll just hard cast a primeval titan. So your deck's a, a bit more susceptible to Blood Moon. You, you're not, you don't really have the option to just go, okay, I'll just go to the hard cast plan. Right. I mean, I can sometimes, depending on the Blood Moon deck, and I can, if it's, say, if it's Miracles playing Blood Moon, I can get to seven actual lands, or eight, and cast Ugin or, uh, or Alls Dust to deal with it. Right, because but, they're slow yeah. enough themselves. Right. But if it's, say, like a, Goblin Stompy is a rough matchup, um, or Painter. Painter's a, not a good matchup for me, especially because if I cast all his dust with Painter Servant out, it's a total reset. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Does all his dust say non-lands? Um, no, it's all colored permanent. <laughs> so it'll have to dry at Ar- Arbor normally. But, oh, yeah. It, man. And they turn off Ancient Stirrings, which is really rough. Right. Because all the cards in my hand and my deck are... <laughs> oh, man, just unintentional blowouts. <laughs> I love it when you find that out about decks. It's like, I didn't realize it, but this one deck absolutely destroys me for no reason. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and the worst, of course, is the 
Chalice Blood Moon decks. Right. Like, those are... <laughs> Those so are just brutal. So yeah, Goblin Stompy is definitely probably your worst matchup. <laughs> it is very rough. The, um, yeah, I mean that's what, another one of the reasons I've started I started playing with um, the Ratchet Bombs. At least gives me a cheap way to get something down to uh, try to take out the Blood Moon. But yeah, it's it, it's it's a terrible matchup. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well. So we found the deck's weakness. <laughs> uh, well, I'm I'm pretty pumped. I'm, I might have to throw that together online, considering how cheap it is. Yeah, it's pra- I mean, it's practically budget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when you do play paper, are you mostly playing some limited? Uh, well, mo- now you know. Now I've got a kid, so I dropped out of standard. Uh, Right before she was born, mm-hmm. which was great because I traded all my standard stuff into a bunch of dual lands. Ah, you made smart decisions. Yeah, yeah. I was selling my, uh, you know, my Corsair of Crew fix for fifteen bucks, and uh, yeah, because was, she was born right. She was born literally the weekend uh, of the pre-release. Mm-hmm. So it was the uh, Star City was the I think two, one or two weeks later. So it was the absolute height of standard demand. Right. And, uh, yeah, I have not regretted that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, yeah, mostly I play either Legacy, um, I play Modern, uh, I play a lot of uh, EDH. I've got, like, 14 decks now, I think, plus my Elder Dragon Hangover ones. Yes. So Elder Dragon Hangover is an extension of the Booze Cube? Yeah, it's basically just um, EDH, except Booze Cube cards are legal. And I've designed, I released, uh, I think, last, over the winter... I released a uh, set of, uh, of three-color generals, and uh, well, two in every three-color combination, and two in uh, five uh, Wooberg. Yeah. So uh, you can use any general, but uh, yeah, they all uh, play well. So what's uh, what's your favorite booze booze general? You want to read it for us? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> you can I've choose a few. Really... <laughs> you can choose yeah. a few if you can't choose. <laughs> Ron Jeremy's a lot of fun to play. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he's uh, he's one of the what? I was just gonna say, and what pray tell does Ron Jeremy do? <laughs> well, he is a um, sell time mana for I want to say a one four. He's either one four one three uh, death strike creature, legendary creature, human porn star. Good. He is uh, when he comes into play, you can take a shot, and if you do, you get to vindicate something. <laughs> Uh, that's and he good. can, and I forget exactly what the ma- activated cost is. I think it's blue. You can put him back, you, a blue to just put him back in the command zone. You just play a regular and, blue and put him back in the command zone. <laughs> yeah, just play a regular blue, put him back in the command zone. Oh, and he also, you can, he has the, you can, I think, drink um, XXX, so three times whatever when he when you cast him to reduce the colorless portion. Of his casting cost, so when you recast him after he's already been cast, you can reduce it by drinking. Um, and like it's, it's kind of like a drinking version of Delve. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It uh, and it, this is one of those things where the game resource of drinking really adds up when I, you're playing a deck like that, and especially because his style of deck, he's in a uh, kind of controlish deck with a lot of heavy drinking costs right so that this is i was going to say a perfect example of a card that would be absolutely busted and never see play in regular magic but with this additional resource he actually sounds a lot more fair oh yeah i mean 
<laughs> he and the uh, actually one of the 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 general that I've uh, I've had to nerf several times. Who's uh, so I've got Frank the Tank. <laughs> it's fitting that that's the one that has had to be uh, repeatedly uh, nerfed. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's made me puke twice. Jeez. <laughs> and what does Frank the Tank do? So Frank the Tank is a uh, teamer colored for he. I forget if he's a human or human frat boy. Um, <laughs> but he is a zero zero. At currently he is haste and intoxicated. He used to have trample, but that was a very very bad idea. And intoxicated and his, is is uh, what does so intoxicated in, do? So intoxicated creatures. Um, I guess, so there's two different kind of creature drinking keywords. There's intoxicated, which the creature deals damage to players in the form of drinks. Um, and there's booze touch, which is just when it makes con- when it make- does combat damage, defending player drinks. So it's just kind of like an extra tack on drink. And it's, that stacks like exalted. But intoxicated... It's kind of like how infect and wither are kind of the same, but different. <laughs> right. Or it's kind of like infect and venom. Yes. Or uh, venomous. Yeah. Right. So you're not dealing actual damage. And so one of the th- cool things within, in terms of design space with Intoxicated is because you're not actually dealing damage that will end the game, you can make them super under-costed, like would, stuff that would never fly in, uh, in real magic. Mm-hmm. So this guy, um, his current state is, uh, so he's a zero zero, and he comes in with... T- Plus one, plus one counters equal to twice the amount of mana that you use to cast him. So he'll come up the first time as a six six, you know, then as a ten uh, ten, and so on. And he keeps and he can keep going big. Yeah. And so he's, uh, he, so he's a three he's, three mana six six, then ten mana or uh, five mana ten ten. Yep. So on and so forth. Yep. With haste. With haste. Oh, good haste. And he used to have trample. <laughs> he used to have trample, but. Uh, he, you at least need to be able to chump block him. <laughs> I mean, otherwise you end up puking like I did, <laughs> and I have a pretty high tolerance. Oh, see, when but, you were when you were saying that you were puking because of him, I thought you were because of using him. Now I realize that you were on the receiving no, end was, of him. <laughs> I was getting destroyed by him. So, and he also used to have a uh, it where instead of getting twice the number of counters, it was three times the number of counters. So he'd come in as a nine nine, and you know. I'd see him regularly up to thirty-five, thirty-five. <laughs> when Frank the Tank attacks you, drink a case of beer. <laughs> Pretty much, it got to that point. And the worst is, I've banned. So, I'm working on a band a band list for it. Warstorm Surge is banned from uh, this format what, because what, is, what does it do with the intoxic? So, Warstorm Surge is a I think it's five and a red enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield. Think under your control, or it might just be anybody. The creature then deals the damage equal to its power to target player or creature. But because intoxicated, the way it's worded, like in fact, the creature deals the damage. So you're doing it in the form of drinks. So he w- Frank was coming down. All right, come down, drink 35 from the Warstorm Search trigger, and immediately yep. attack for drink another 35. So and one of the t- and another t- and uh, one of the times the most the time before I took Crample away, he was my other friend was playing a real EDH deck, but he was playing a clone deck. <laughs> Good. And so he was also hitting me. Basically, I was drinking one to two beers every turn cycle in a three-player game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty constant uh, pace of drinking right there. Yeah, so, it, you know, Intoxicated is 
like it's an archetype that, especially when I do the one, the competitive booze cube, it's a re- it's a real thing. I mean, I've you can definitely get somebody to concede from you're just hitting them for too much booze. <laughs> I've heard stories about uh, Kevy Metal playing the booze cube, so I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, I actually have a, a card I designed for Vegas just for him. That uh, it's a legendary land where you can tap it to make Kevy drink if he's in the same room. <laughs> Just if Kevy is in the general vicinity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty epic. <laughs> and, of course, it's San Diego. Ah, yes. <laughs> of course. Uh, that is that is excellent. And so you have a new set coming out for the Booze Cube soon. Yep. Um, it's called Weekend in El Baracho. I tried to give it a little bit of uh, Borthos flavor this time. <laughs> so is that a Weekend at Bernie's uh, reference? No, it's more, um, I mean, I, I suppose there will be reanimated corpses, but, uh... <laughs> I mean, every good party has a reanimated cor- corpse or two. Yeah. I mean, you're not a party unless you've used some necromancy. Exactly, exactly. But, so, El Baracho is the plane that, uh, Juan the Mind Smasher from the original Cube is from. <laughs> and it's sort of like, a, it takes, I mean, this is all pretty loose so far, but, uh, it'll take, it takes place before, um, kind of like after Origins, but before all the Gatewatch and most of the major ma- uh, modern magic story. So the Planeswalkers are kind of new. They're, it's a place for spring. It's a real, like, spring break destination play because it's kind of a cross between, you know, like a border town like Tijuana or Juarez, which, or, um, you know, can, like a resort town, like on the beach, like Cancun, mm-hmm. and kind of got a little mix of, bit, mix of the... Uh, 1980s Colombia with the uh, drug cartels. And... <laughs> uh, is Pablo Escobar a card? Please tell me sort there's of. a Pablo Escobar. Yeah, he's, I made one called El Churro, ah, kingpin of the, or cartel kingpin, mm-hmm. who is, I actually used the art from Pablo Escobar. Like he's, he is Pablo Escobar. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, what's he do? Um, I'm trying to remember. I've designed so many cards that individual ones. He is, I know he's six mana for, I believe, a 4-4 death touch where you can tap him to... It's, he's kind of like a... a um, I think it's destroy target creature, and then you have to drink some amount. He's, so he's like, kind of like an Avatar of Yeah, kind of like a Vasara or... Yep. Uh, Avatar of Woe. Yep. Yes, he's in that vein. Nice. Um, yeah, and then there's a couple of other cartel cards, like Cartel Drug Mule, which is one of... There's a cycle of Draft Matters cards inspired from the uh, newest Conspiracy set, and uh, that's a really cool one. It's... Uh, so it's a uh, donkey rogue mm-hmm. that uh, I think he, he's. You reveal him while you can't, or you can reveal him while drafting, um, or when you draft him. And if you do, you take a shot. And <laughs> you can. Uh, at, after that, you can take once per pack. You can take a shot to swap something in your pool with something else. In that pack. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> there are so many so, times that I've wanted to do that in draft. <laughs> yep, and you can now. I mean, and he's still he's like I think a two one for a black or something. So if you want, actually want to play him, but there's a whole cycle of I call them the pre gamers. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. All draft matters. That's but perfect. Where either you or or an opponent uh, will have to drink quite a bit during the draft. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, that kind of, uh, do you have anything that's kind of like a ley line effect with drinking? <laughs> um, not yet. 
but it's definitely um, if there's already a pre-existing enchantment theme, so that's definitely something that I would <laughs> reveal. I'll add at some point. Yeah. yeah. So, so you design almost all the cards yourself. Where, where, how do you find time to do it? Like, are you doing it like one or two at night? Do you just sit down for six hours straight and bang a bunch out? Like, where's where's it come from? Kind of a little bit of both. Um, sometimes I'll go for long stretches where I won't work on it at all. And other times, like right now, I'm in a huge flurry of uh, of creativity. To uh, so I probably designed at least thirty cards in the last two weeks. Wow! And, and uh, sometimes you know they'll leave. I'll work on a card a little bit and you know kind of let it germinate and come back to it and change something. Or yeah, yeah, it's very very intermittent. That's awesome. I know you also had you've had like various contests in the past uh, where you have people design cards for the cube as well. Yes, actually, as a matter of fact, so for the last time we had this on on Heavy Meta, I kind of forgot to save a lot of them when they were being tweeted, and now I'm trying to re-find them so that there's quite a few cards that I think could actually make it into the set. Mm-hmm. And so I, if any of uh, if any of the listeners out there submitted a card for the original or for the previous Heavy Meta Booze Cube contest. Hit uh, hit me up, send me them if you still have it, because who knows? Uh, there's quite a few of those cards that had a lot of potential. Nice. Are you taking new subs, uh, submissions for it? Yeah, sure. I mean, I can always look at it. <laughs> I can always tell you it's shit and to move along. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny. I mean, there's been a lot of really great ones. Yeah. Um, but there's also, you know, one thing that people don't necessarily do when they're designing for the booze cube is you got to really try to when, especially if you're doing something top down kind of mm-hmm. simpler is better if you're trying to make it so closely match the flavor that it loses gameplay or becomes you know th- you're designing for drunk people so <laughs> it has to be simple enough that you can understand it at least you know after you know four or five beers if not you know maybe a case down you're probably uh Incapable, but you've got to at least you've got to design for moderate drunk to be able to understand it. And yeah, so, you, you yeah, don't want you don't want like uh, chains of Mephistopheles text for drunk people to try and decipher. Exactly. <laughs> like I've designed some of those, especially in, in the real early days of my my design, and I couldn't. I mean, if I designed it and I couldn't figure out what it does while I'm playing it. It is entirely too complicated. <laughs> that is a good rule to live by. <laughs> If drunk me can't understand this, I need to do better. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, so keep keep the uh, keep the submission keep the designs simple and elegant. And also, I've really uh, tried with the booze cube to to really work within the color pie. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the colors, you know, have, have their own relationship with drinking. For example, black drinks for power. <laughs> Good. You know, I mean, you're willing to sacrifice creatures. You're willing to sacrifice life. So wait, does... you should be willing to sacrifice your liver. <laughs> Good. Does blue drink for knowledge? Because I feel those don't uh, go hand that, in hand. That was actually the hardest one to figure out how that worked. But blue, here's my theory on blue. Blue wants to always be at least the smartest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. So the way that it does it within the booze cube is by making its opponents dumber. By making them drink. Exactly. So <laughs> blue is a, the color. There's a lot of targeted drinking, and there's a lot of things that trigger if an opponent has drank. 
Gotcha. That's clever. Yeah, and also pirates. Lots of pirates. And pirates, of course. Blues, Thieves, Pirates. Just like in regular magic. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been working... The uh, the new expansion will add a fair bit more support to the, uh, pri- to the pirate tribe. There's... Really, there's three major tribal strategies built into the cube. Um, pirates, which is primarily in blue, a little bit in red. You know, I mean, there's a little bit in all the colors, but mostly in blue. There is Frat Boy, which is uh, white. Yes. You know, being the color of a hierarchy and conformity. <laughs> ah, I didn't put that together. I'm so glad you pointed that out for me. <laughs> and the third tribe? And the third tribe is Dwarf, which actually got a lot of uh, support now. I'm, I'm putting in a few uh, Kaladesh dwarves. Does that mean we're going to see Frat Boy in the future? Are you telepathic? <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, I'd like to see at least a pirate set first. Yeah. I mean, I think we would probably see pirates before Frat Boys. In fact, there already probably. have been there have been pirates in the distant past of Magic, but maybe they'll make a reoccurrence. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, my favorite, what my absolute favorite card that I've designed, or at least definitely top ten, is Captain Morgan from the original, which, although he's not, he does create pirate tokens, but uh, his emblem is just the most, it's one of the most fun things I've ever played with. I know. This I... is his... Go ahead, yep. Well, we actually had at uh, GP Minneapolis, we tried doing this at a bar, and somebody actually scooped to a Captain Morgan emblem because he just couldn't talk like a pirate. <laughs> It's isn't it like uh, you get an emblem with whenever a player doesn't talk like a pirate they drink or something like that? No, it's you lose the game. Oh, you lose the game. <laughs> so you have to talk like a pirate. Good. Or, which is really funny too, if you have um, one thing to do if you're playing with a friend and they have the emblem is uh, call them on their have somebody else call them on their cell phone. <laughs> That's dirty. <laughs> Just have them call. Oh man. I've actually, I saw somebody tweeted at me, um, I forget who it was, that they were playing, and they also had, they had the Captain Morgan emblem out at the same time as Hodor. <laughs> so Hodor, you have to, only, you can only say Hodor, or you have to sacrifice him. <laughs> so is he just saying Hodor and rolling his R's? <laughs> Hodor! 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty awesome, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a few that they don't, they're not drinking per se, but they're things that are awesome when you're drinking. Like, there's an arm wrestling card in the original. Um, the new one ha- will have one that's, uh, there's, there's going to be an enchantment and aura, an enchant player, that will basically you have to speak in a funny accent, or else your opponents get to draw cards. Good. <laughs> That's, uh, sounds like a lot of fun. A lot of, uh, things that can, uh, all come together. Hence the complicated board state that people forget about when they're drunk. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, I mean, especially with somebody like Juan, who, you could have, I mean, if you play Juan, his loyal, his, both, he can only gain loyalty through drinking, but he can drink, you can essentially gain as much loyalty as you're willing to drink, so you could make 40 tokens if you want, if you're willing to Give yourself alcohol poisoning. <laughs> I don't. I don't think we've read Juan for the listeners yet. Uh, what exactly does okay. Juan do? So Juan is a planeswalker, uh, two green, two colorless. Comes in with two loyalty. His plus X. Uh, his first loyalty ability is plus X. So you can put on as many as you want, but you have to drink two. Uh, you have to drink two X. So 
Yeah, so two, uh, so two times multiplier to untap X target lands. So he can be a ridiculous ramp creature or planeswalker, and his plus Y. So also you can always you can add unlimited loyalty to him, and it's a three times multiplier for drinking to make uh, one one worm tokens. His ultimate is I think it's minus seven to uh, make target player drink equal to the number of creatures you control. Good. <laughs> so yeah, he can gain unlimited loyalty. I mean, I've seen Juan with you know twenty counters on him easily. <laughs> so you can be but, the you can be the all in Juan deck. <laughs> you could, and there's a uh, there's a new card. Um, one of the new characters. Uh, there's I've been a bunch of new plane wa- planeswalkers for this uh, set. One of the new uh, char- new actual characters is uh, AEIOU, who's basically the hookah smoking caterpillar from uh, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Good. I like. I he is a blue. He is a blue green planeswalker who. His thing is enhancing his mind through drugs. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, in the, su- the preliminary story I'm sort of working on is, uh, you know, he uh, meets up with Jace and uh, Juan and Elspeth and uh, convinces them to take a vision f- quest. And so one of the story cards for that is... Um, <laughs> I like how you have story cards. <laughs> Yeah, you do this legit. <laughs> I wanted to. Pl- I want to play it as straight faced as possible. Yeah, like I think because I think that's really where a lot of the humor comes from. Right, just just that straight. But yeah, face. so he there's a story card called uh, Vision Trip, which is uh, basically it's an enchant planeswalker. Uh, it's a blue green hybrid where uh, basically it's like Chain Veil for that planeswalker. You can activate his ability an extra time, but he has uh, there's a mechanic called Top Shelf, which looks at either what you're imbibing or what your opponent is imbibing. And he gets a bonus. Uh, he actually puts on, when it comes in, if you're high, it gets two extra loyalty counters. <laughs> so top shelf, does it look to see who's drinking the more expensive liquor or the more alcoholic? What's what's the top shelf do? So I did a poll the other day, and the poll fortunately confirmed exactly what, I, what I've been designing towards. It'll look at, depending on what you're, it'll look, it'll give bonuses to you based on what you're drinking, or, I mean, if it's looking at you as triggering on um, something a little more like a mixed drink or a particular type of liquor, like uh, there's a lot of the green ones because Tequila Mancy is a common form of magic on El Baracho. Tequila uh, Mancy. <laughs> well, Juan is a Tequila Mancer. Of course. <laughs> um, and he has a new flip card in this set, um, you know, where he gains his spark. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and... Uh, so yeah, um, so green will have a lot of like if you're drinking if your game beverage contains tequila, you get some bonus. Um, where something like most of m- most of the poll respondents, I think like 67 percent of them or something a lot, they drink beer when they're playing it. So it'll look at your opponent for beer. So you can dodge it if you're not drinking beer, but most people you'll get that extra bonus effect. So like um, if defending player is drinking beer, this creature is unblockable. All right, you, it settled it. Uh, next time I play Booze Cube, I'm drinking nothing but White Zinfandel. That's my. <laughs> there is actually so there's a card called Tour de Franzia. Oh yes, gives it bonus if you're drinking wine. <laughs> Do you get double bonus if it's actual Franzia? <laughs> that, I think maybe that could be a house rule for sure. <laughs> oh yes, it's all about the house rules. <laughs> uh, that's that's awesome. You have thought of everything. <laughs> I've been working on this set even longer than I've been playing 12 posts. Wow. Or not this, yeah, I mean, I started designing these cards in probably 2009. 
Wow. It has been quite the ride. Uh, I'm definitely going to have to uh, sleeve up the new set once it uh, comes out. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to playing it. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. I'm actually going to be uh, doing some significant testing of it this weekend at a friend's birthday party. So. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I've got there's yeah there's new conspiracies too, and my conspiracies are you know they're conspiracies like the moon landing, or the truth about 9/11, <laughs> or the second gunman. Oh man, that is awesome! <laughs> Actual conspiracy conspiracies. <laughs> oh, get your tin. Do any of them reference wearing a tinfoil hat? There's a tinfoil hat equipment in the original cube. Ah, okay. It gives you uh, vigilance and protection from government mind control rays. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, anything else you kind of want to do uh, say about the cube or, or the booze cube or mono green 12 post or anything else you wanted to cover? Um, well, you know, look for the cube. I'm hoping to get it out at the, uh, hopefully by the end of this year, if not, maybe uh, January. I'm also looking for people to write flavor text or, you know, write kind of magic story type articles, but for the set. Yeah, just get some that I can post on them. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, hit me up on Twitter's probably the easiest place to reach me. I have a tendency to neglect my email, but um, Twitter I'm on way too much. So you can reach me just at, at the booze cube. Um, and I'll pop Unless I'm super busy or distracted, I'll probably answer. Good. Those are my types of uh, reactions. Hit me up. I uh, I might get back to you, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going through my Gmail today and uh, for the Booze Cube account, and God, it was, I had requests that were literally two years old that I'd kind of forgotten about. Oh, man. I, can, uh, I, I feel I, terrible, but... I get that, like... Uh, OCD uh, bug itching at me whenever I see those little red notifications pop up. I have to check them as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. But easy to let things build up. Yeah, well, I'm kind of a procrastinator, so... There we go. I see the red notifications, I check it, think that I'm going to respond to it, you know, maybe when I get home or get some free time, and then I totally forget for <laughs> two years. Excellent. Human nature. Uh, well, anyone that you want to scoop into top eight tonight? So that's basically shout-outs, right? Yes, we, we're, we're unique butterflies, and we don't have shout-outs, we have scoops into top eight, because we're unique. <laughs> Alright, so I guess, uh, let's see, I can wish, uh, happy birth, I'll scoop, uh, my friend Alyssa, uh, into the top eight, since she's having the birthday party that we're going to be cubing at, and, uh, yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun, because, uh, I get to play test stuff, and drink a lot. Hell yeah, that is definitely worthy of a scoop. <laughs> uh, anyone else? Um, let's see. I, mean, I guess, you know, all, all of my fans uh, who've downloaded and enjoyed the Booze Cube. Oh, yes. Uh, if people want to download the Booze oh, Cube, yeah, where can right. they find it? <laughs> so um, I have a Blogspot site. at uh, It's just theboozecubeblogspot.com. Um, it's a little... I tend to uh, forget to update it. Um, I'm actually working on a, uh, you can find the original cube there, although I'm, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, I will be releasing an updated version that fixes a number of templating issues, uh, updates, uh, like, uses creates and uses the new colorless mana symbol and stuff like that. But <laughs> it's also- a, fu- a functional playable, li- a functional playable downloadable version of it is, uh, is available. 
for the original set. It's also nice because unlike Wizards, you can nerf cards. You can go back and say, I, <laughs> this is too good, I can. scale it back. And there's there's a few in the original that I actually do need. I either need to nerf or just, I cut it from the cube because it was just too powerful. I've tried to avoid cards that just straight up essentially let you drink a whole bunch to win the game. Because then that's, that's just that's not really fun. I mean, unless it's where you're drinking an obscene amount. Uh, because then it's, I'm, I'm willing to let it slide. But it's because but for the you, most part, you win the game and then you lose at life. <laughs> exactly. And it's just as boring as a game. So I, there's a couple of cards that I'm, from the original cube, that are definitely getting nerfed, like uh, Bourbon Entity. I've actually had, you know, a few complaints about that one. Mm-hmm. Because it's basically, you know, it's a, it comes in, you can pay, you can drink any amount, and uh, it might be a three multiplier, and basically put X11 counters on it. Jeez, okay. So now I'm adding a, so now I'm adding a, uh, you know, a mana cost in, to, in addition to the drinking cost. To can, can you, could you do that at instant speed? Keep it under speed? Uh, I can't remember whether it's an ETB effect or a activated ability. Uh, okay. Because <laughs> I was going to say, if that was like instant speed activated ability, that could get pretty crazy. There's another one that kind of has that, which is uh, Deer Blood Huntmaster, which is, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think it's, I think that one actually is an activated ability. You can do it at instant speed. And I think he has the Phantom the Shoba effect. Good. <laughs> yeah, some of the, some of my early designs, uh, which are still in the cube, are just, I would definitely do them differently now. I kind of, I really understand Wizards with their, uh, listening to Mark Rosewater talk about namespace. Because there's so many cards that I used such a good name for that I either need to totally redo, which I suppose I could, but just are really kind of shitty cards. Yeah, you wasted good names. I always feel that whenever I see a card in a standard set with a sick name, and then it's just a terrible card. (laughs) Yeah, I know they've tried to cut back on that. They're a lot more conscious of it now. I mean, like, it can't be any worse than Teleport from Legends. Which well, is, you know... I didn't know that existed. What does Teleport from Legends even do? I think it's a one-mana instant, blue instant, that does something entirely irrelevant. <laughs> Change the color of target land. <laughs> uh, it might not be ba- that bad, but I think like it might make an opponent have to pay mana or a single creature is unblockable or something. Something terrible like that. And it's one of the, I know that's one of the ones they mention. Is, it's, I mean, Teleport is a... You can't get any cleaner than that. And the card is terrible. Yeah. Uh, names are also a resource. Keep that in mind. <laughs> uh, well, awesome. So people can download that version. Uh, any ETA on when the new set will be out? I'm hoping by the end of the year, maybe, um, probably end of January by the latest, depending yeah. on how many people volunteer to help me with uh, the uh, the flavor text and stuff. Hear that, people? I can also, um, if you play regularly, too, I'm... I'm interested in uh, getting some more. I don't get to play that often, so I'm very interested in feedback on people who have actually played with the cards and play tested for me. So if you play regularly, I uh, hit me up and uh, we'll see about getting you some play test uh, some play test sheets. Hell yeah! Uh, well, awesome. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, anyone else uh, you wanted to scoop in tonight? Can't think offhand. Uh, maybe yeah. My wife for putting up with me, but uh, she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's the thought that counts. <laughs> yeah. If she ever asks me, I'll let her know that you scooped her in. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That, that totally likely scenario. <laughs> totally could happen. You never know. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'm going to scoop you in, Scott. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, it's been awesome to get you to meet you over the interwebs. Likewise. Uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Awesome. I'm also going to scoop Pat in for his five-second cameo earlier. Uh, <laughs> Pat's internet sucks. He's uh, looking to switch, so if you have recommendations uh, for the New England area internet providers, hit up Pat on Twitter. I'm sure he would love the advice. Yeah. Oh, I should probably scoop in uh, also Joel, uh, Libertarian Gamer, on Twitter, since he's the one who got me uh, connected to the cast in the first place. <laughs> I know. We got Joel just to hit me up out of the blue. He's like, hey, you know who you should invite on the cast? Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that is a good idea. Good, good idea, Joel. I'll also scoop Joel in. Uh, and I'm also going to scoop uh, Aaron in just because he gets a scoop. <laughs> uh, all right, Scott, we're going to roll some die, and we're going to pick a song. Actually, Scott, you, you listen to the cast. What is your opinion on the die roll? Are you in the yay camp or the nay camp? Uh, for the die roll being a thing that exists? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I suppose I'm for it. <laughs> you just don't always like the outcome? Yeah, I mean, as long as I win the die roll, I'm, I'm fine with it. There we go. Okay. <laughs> All right, so let's see what we got this week. All right, we got number six coming up on the list. We have uh, Ben Eagleton with Rosanna by Wax. <laughs> Uh, okay, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> oh, nice. uh, I hope that's a good song. <laughs> I don't think I've even heard of it. Neither have I. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Thank you for that, Scoop Jerry. Hey guys, this is Patrick. I uh, just wanted to check in at the end of the episode, let you all know uh, that I did a guest spot on the Legacy Weapon podcast. Should be releasing Thursday, the same week this gets released. Uh, so check them out, Legacy Weapon, on Twitter. And then you can also find them on iTunes. Just search for Legacy Weapon. We'll be talking about Colorless Eldrazi, of course. All right, guys. Have a great week, and I'll uh, see you soon. Check it out. My tickets won out of a million. See a grand prize. Better run and dash. Bust up and fan eyes. That pretty face accent in them tan thighs. Made me fantasize all day. I hit it like, Can hey.
draining me physically, and I mean that quite literally, cause I only got so many mini-me's swimming in me, man I give it all I got, but still she wants to get some more, back to the bathroom, back to the bedroom, back to the hall, to the kitchen floor, I don't know what I'm bitching for, cause I like it that way, and all I wanna do all day, is hit it like, whoa. 